Hello and welcome back to another episode of the On the Sideline podcast of Jackson and Kyle. I am Jackson and I'm joined here as always by the man who is still on his rookie deal. Kyle, Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, getting ready for contract negotiations and mm-hmm. uh, you know, expecting a big payday. So that'll be fun. Yeah, uh, you might be disappointed. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, uh, this is a uh, Kyle. We got we're here. Four teams left. Uh, we've we're n- near the finish line here. Yep the the final four, if you will, and um, you know, as you kind of said on Sunday, and I think the sentiment's kind of growing. This is when's the last time we've seen a final four where is undoubtedly the best teams? I haven't looked at the history of it, but these seem like unquestionably the four best teams of the season. Yeah, it feels like there's always at least one team that like sort of is like the how did they get here team. Like there's like always a, a Cinderella story. Not this year. Uh, we have, I mean. I guess the one that you could say is that there's a three seed instead of a two seed. Uh, you know, I guess uh, now I'm ch- starting to think about it. Wasn't it? It didn't. It used to be pretty common that the one and two seeds would both win when they had their buys. Uh, yeah, probably a little more common, but that's also not necessarily. I also don't think that's necessarily the you know two seeds necessarily the two best teams. I uh, you know mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think sure. yeah. I mean, I just I thought from basically week eight on these are these teams have played the best four best four football teams for the season it's gonna be fun now disrespect to the giants yeah uh, yeah (laughs) yeah uh probably fair enough um kyle this should be a very fun show i always love the conference championship you have a a chance to catch up before the super bowl you were down by just three points here in the conference championship so this is what happened last year remember last year uh during our pick'em show uh, I was down in the conference championship, but I was able to. I, I made the the great pick. Uh, people are still talking about to this day of picking the Bengals over the Chiefs last year, uh, which then allowed me to take the lead. I picked the Rams and won the Super Bowl and one of the most historic comebacks in uh, in pick'em show history. Uh, you know, uh, Kyle, you're hoping to do the same. I'm hoping to do the same. I do think we're going to disagree on one of the games. Okay. I do think we're going to have different picks. We'll see how it plays out. We haven't talked about this. We don't know what each other's thinking. Obviously, we have to make our picks separate. So uh, 20 points, right? That's what we're wagering on these two games. Yep, 20 points on just two games. And I have to go first. So I can't even, you know, I can't play you anyway. You can play me and try to you work the strategy that way. You could do just go exactly the way I do it and make it all come down to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to go at this. I'll have to evaluate the strategy and... uh I think I'm pretty. I feel pretty strong about my picks this week. I feel pretty strong. I'm eight and two in the playoffs. the The Cowboys over the 49ers was an emotional pick, even uh-huh. though I had been picking the 49ers from basically week ten on. That mm-hmm. was a mistake on my part. Everything else, I felt like I've been pretty spot on with. Yeah, you just can't pick the Cowboys. That's just your thing. Yeah, you were over two on their games. Everything else, you've been perfect on. Yeah, exactly. So now that they're out, I feel good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, No, should be a fascinating, uh, very fascinating thing. Uh, Want to just get into it? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so I don't know which order to go with exactly. Uh, I'll go with, I guess, let's just go in order, why don't we? Let's start with the game that will be earlier, because it's starting with the uh, Eagles-Niners. You know, such a fascinating situation between these two teams of the, it it does feel like these are two teams, I, I don't know, 
I feel like I'd be really happy. I'm going to say this about three teams, but it almost feels like it's a shame only one team can win a Super Bowl this year. Like the Chiefs, they at least have one. But like the Niners, Eagles, and Bengals are all kind of these teams. You know, the Niners and Bengals have been right around there for a, a bit now. I guess, you know, Bengals, this is their second year, but the Niners for a while now haven't been able to get it. And then the Eagles, who kind of, uh, you know, are, I mean, I, I, get, I get that they won it, what, five years ago. But uh, but still, uh, then they then they went through nothing. They had this whole rebuild, and now they're back here as well. So I, I'm, I'm rooting for kind of three teams here. And I still like the yeah. Chiefs. No one's rooting for the Chiefs. Let's be honest. Here. You can't root uh, for the Chiefs, but I like the Chiefs. I won't be mad if they yeah. win. Eh, we'll see. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, I mean, the Eagles are still a little bit in that honeymoon phase for me. But this team did, like you say, they quickly hit rock bottom as soon as that Super Bowl ended. They kind of loaded up their roster for that year. Had to overhaul some of it. The Carson Wentz thing obviously fell apart. They lost that coach. I mean, is anyone from that team? Basically a part of this team? I don't think so. So I think there's some. Jake Elliott. Okay, so the kicker's still there. That's cool. I think there's some <laughs> linemen as well. So, yeah, I mean, you you know, you're just looking at that, and it's okay. This is a new team. They went, you know, they went all the way down to the bottom. Now they're back. Started from the bottom. Now they're here. And, um, I mean, this has just been an impressive season for the Eagles. I mean, wire to wire, basically the best team in the league, best record in the league. Uh, the Chiefs ended up tying them record-wise. But, I mean, they just, you know. We were all waiting for a slip up here or there, and outside of one bad game against the Washington Commanders, they basically had nothing. They were they were pretty cleanly, you know, the best team in the league for the majority of the year. Yeah, as long as Hertz was out there, they were. Um, Matthew in the chat saying, "Hey guys, uh, super chat. Hey guys, love your streams. I never miss. Thanks for doing these. Well, thanks for watching, Matthew. Uh, we appreciate Thank that. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, no, it's just." It, it, the Eagles have been so fascinating of uh, you're right. They, they were so dominant basically all year. I mean, again, I, I keep making the 2017 comparison because it's so apt and just like this kind of out of nowhere team just comes in and is clearly the best team in football. And like, that doesn't happen too often. And the two examples I can think of are both the Eagles, which is just unique. Uh, and then for the Niners, they've been here before, right? They've done everything except win a Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan has accomplished everything except for win a Super Bowl at this point. Yeah, three conference championships in four years. Uh, you know, there was a little bit of a time where it was like the Niners, you know, is Kyle Shanahan the right coach was a little bit of a conversation. The the I Matt mean, Nagy versus uh, better win percentage than Kyle Shanahan narrative. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, not looking at the, uh, you know, wa not watching the film, just saying, oh, well, he hasn't won games. So right. never mind that Nick Mullins is taking like legitimate <laughs> snaps for this team in big right. parts of the season. So um this team has been really consistent, though, over these years. Like I said, three NFC championships in four seasons. They This might have been their best season, too. You know, They were just top to bottom, really impressive. And I think if you polled NFL fans from basically week 10 on, said who's the most impressive team in football, they're going to pick San Francisco. This team might have been the best team for the last six weeks of the season, seven weeks of the season. They were unbelievable, and a lot of it has to do with a rookie quarterback, yeah, a young quarterback, he is a rookie. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they were expecting a lot from their young quarterback Trey Lance. He goes down injured. Jimmy Garoppolo's back from nowhere. He goes down injured. Then it's this Brock Purdy show where this guy has something. And you know, I'm not saying quarterback wins are everything, but this guy looks unafraid every time he plays. Yeah. Uh, what's also crazy about the 49ers too? It's like you look at every single position group. Uh, outside of quarterback and to have an absolute superstar i mean a wide receiver you have debo samuel tight end you have george kittle uh offensive line you have trent williams uh you know uh linebacker you have fred warner uh you know 
defensive line, you have Nick Bosa. The only one that's kind of a stretch is defensive back, but you have the wards. Both wards are very good. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Hufango was an all-pro this year. So, like, uh, you know, you have these just everywhere across the board, there are just star players. Yeah, and I mean, if you go through their, you know, their uh, PFF positional, you know, premium stats grading, they are top five in pass blocking, receiving, uh, run blocking their top 10, number one in defense, top five number in one in defense, coverage, number one in tackle, number one in coverage, mm-hmm. sixth in pass rush. So that's a little bit of a letdown there. <laughs> right. I mean, mm-hmm. like they're just unbelievable at seemingly everything and top to bottom. Like you said, this is one of the more impressive rosters in the league. Uh, especially their starting lineups. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, the only problem is they're playing a team that, uh, yeah, uh, as Elijah says in the chat, even their kicker is absolute money. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's incredible. But the only issue is they might be going up against a team that's equally as loaded. I mean, this yeah. Eagles team is just as much uh, stars across the board uh, with all this stuff. And, you know, you want to just get into previewing the actual game itself? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and do that. Cause, like, you know, I was just looking through all those grades. The Eagles are very close in just about all of those, except for a few categories. So Mm -hmm. uh, it it is definitely a fascinating matchup that we're going to look at. And um, yeah, so I guess where do you want to start? Do you want to start San Francisco offense against Philadelphia defense? How do you want to approach this? I have a my my biggest point in this game. I want let's not bury the lead. Let's talk about the biggest thing I have is so the 49ers, the way they play their defense is very much they play this cover, you know. Uh, it's the big Fangio cover three, cover four style defense that every team runs at this point. But on third downs, they often shift to man coverage. That's kind of what they do is a lot of times like these th- obvious passing situations. It's these cover one man plays. And that's where we saw in the playoff game. DK Metcalf took them deep several times, right? Uh, that's kind of where they can uh, give up yards to these uh, talented receivers. You look at, you know, uh, I talked about the wards, Jimmy Ward uh, and Travavius Ward. Both of them have almost identical splits when they're in man versus in zone, uh, where uh, Jimmy Ward has a 48.1 grade against man coverage, uh, Trevavius Ward a 48.0 grade against man coverage, and then both of them are over 78 in when they're in zone coverage. So there's a massive swing when they're playing zone and when they're playing man. Now you got A.J. Brown coming to town, the guy who is the highest yards per route ran uh, in the NFL against man coverage, he can dominate these one-on-one matchups, and it is absolutely, uh, absolutely uh, concerning. I think for San Francisco, of I feel like if they put him, if they put whichever one of the wards on AJ Brown for three snaps in that situation, he's scoring a touchdown on one of those snaps. Like I just, I that's what's happening. I can't not think that and even if you double team aj brown which they don't really do then you gotta deal with devonta smith who's certainly no slouch there so that's a concern for me also we have a super chat by uh, jesse jesse uh saying love the content after working 11 hour shifts every day this is what i look forward to afterwards do you think purdy starts next year uh let's talk about the purdy stuff at the end of this segment but we'll we'll get to that during the segment yeah. uh also get your boss to make you not work as much i mean come on 11 hour shifts yeah that's a lot mm-hmm. um, that's brutal yeah uh I do agree with you, though. So I, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now. The The 49ers on the outside is probably their one weakness to this defense, right? We've talked about mm-hmm. this ad nauseum, it seems like, for a few weeks. And then, you know, Talanoa Hufanga, very good safety, very talented. He's a bit of a gambler, and they move him around the field, so he's not your traditional deep safety. He's not staying back there and just waiting about a, a whole bunch of times. So it's not like you have that extra safety coverage against an A.J. Brown. So that is gonna, that is the most interesting matchup because Javarius Ward, I thought, did 
outside of one CD Lamb catch last week, that was a big play. I thought they did very well last week against, mm-hmm. you know, these deep Cowboys pass plays. They didn't throw them a whole lot. They were trying to get the ball out quickly to avoid the San Francisco pass rush, I think, mainly. But I thought when, you know, the Cowboys took shots downfield or try to go downfield a little bit more, I thought the 49ers were mainly up to the test. That being said, like, the strength of CeeDee Lamb and, you know, those guys on the Dallas team was not downfield passing game. Right. And that's something that A.J. Brown is maybe one of the best receivers in the league at. And mm-hmm. I think statistically, like you were saying, he is the best receiver in the league at that this season. So mm-hmm. that is going to become a that is a difficult matchup for San Francisco. I thought they adjusted a little bit when it when it was Dallas last week. I thought they did. I thought they had more two safety stuff. Do they stick to that more this week? Do they try and adjust their coverage and throw some wrinkles at Philadelphia and see what happens? I think they should, but this, this is just why predictions are so hard, right? Of like, how do we know? Like, it's not just predicting the players, but also like trying to predict the strategy. And I feel like a lot of times all we can really do is get to get get to the point where, hey, this is what these teams should do. This is what the strategic uh, things they should make, strategic moves they should make. But then at the end of the day, uh, you know, uh, what? Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Like, we're going to see what happens. And then very quickly, things are going to change. Teams are going to run different strategies. So who knows of this stuff? It's what makes predictions so hard. I think they're still going to play some man coverage on, especially on obvious passing situations. I think that's what they've been doing for the majority of the year. Yes, you can look towards games where they haven't done that. Uh, maybe the DK Metcalf game was a wake up call, hopefully for San Francisco. But also, mm-hmm. if they're just going to drop back and play one coverage every, you know, play zone coverage every single snap, I don't love that either. Uh, I don't love that situation, especially if they're playing quarters coverage. Okay, great. Now you have to stop the Eagles running game, uh, which can, especially if it hurts running the ball, which at this point. You know, if you have a running quarterback, you're going to use them at this point. Only two games left in the season uh, to try and get that stuff to happen. And, of course, you know, Smith and Brown can certainly win in zone as well. It's not like they're only man beaters. Uh, Smith's better in zone than uh, against man. So, um, you know, it's a it's a pick your poison. But I think the correct poison is to play zone a lot. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think this should be probably one of their highest zone coverage games of the season. And, you know, it is true that, like, what is the wake-up call for this team about this? Because, like, the Metcalf game was alarming. and then, But it wasn't even just the Metcalf game because we talked about it going into that game too. Like, Devontae Adams had seven catches, 153 yards, two touchdowns. You can be like, okay, Devontae Adams is awesome. You know, that happens sometimes. Terry McLaurin, also awesome. 51-yard touchdown in that game. Um, or 51-yard pass catch. I don't remember if it was a touchdown. Uh, A.J. Green had a 77-yard touchdown. A.J. Green, of all people. (laughs) You know, there's just a thing where, you know, it's okay to play super aggressive, but is this where you want to play as aggressive as possible in the NFC Championship game? And leaving a guy like A.J. Brown in that sort of coverage situation, that just feels like a mistake. They... There, there are a lot of reasons why they should go, man, though, because it's like, you know, Fred Warner should be able to cover God air. You know, they can handle mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff, but they have to find a way to put extra attention on A.J. Brown if they do. And they realize then Devontae Smith could also have a big play. Yeah. And then it might just come down to like, uh, you know, can they cover Devontae Smith? Like that might be sometimes that's how football works. It's just like you have all this other stuff taking away everything else. And then it just comes down to one matchup. And if Devonta Smith consistently wins, well, then they can't do that anymore and they have to figure out something else. And if Devonta Smith doesn't win, well, then they can do that all game and then they can consistently, you know, be successful that way. Yeah, it is a um, 
you know, it, it is a game of it's a it's a chess match, right? For every yep. every move, there's a counter. They're going to counter each other. And you know what? If they if they end up putting two guys on AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts isn't going to look for that read a whole lot. He's not going to challenge them double teams all the time. And there may be opportunities there for Smith for big plays. Yeah. And again, if you can funnel things through the middle, again, you funnel things to Fred Warner, get as many passes and to Hufanga, get as many passes in that area as you can. That's definitely good. Jalen Hurts, again, another number to throw at you, Kyle. I love doing these numbers uh, as we get into these uh, final games. I think they're always very helpful. Uh, Jalen Hurts, this season, much better when he is not blitzed versus when he is blitzed. Uh, he's blitzed as the second best quarterback in football, according to passer rating, when he is not blitzed with a 105.9. 22nd. When he is blitzed, 94.3, still a fine passer rating, but not as dominant as he is when he's not blitzed. So kind of weird, almost the opposite of what you would expect as maybe if you are going to leave A.J. Brown one-on-one, at least send the extra pressure, get Hurts moving, and don't let Hurts be able to make that throw. Yeah, and this was what Tampa did in that playoff game, right? Like, mm-hmm. But the difference was A.J. Brown wasn't there. So you could right. definitely get away with man defense, sending the house on Jalen Hurts, containing him, hitting him in the backfield. Tampa Bay had a lot of success on that last year. Not as easy to have that success when A.J. Brown's lurking on the outside, too. So is San Francisco willing to gamble? Because I think they should in this game. I think they should be prepared to send guys at him and make him process quicker and make him make decisions more quickly. Because I think that's how, you, that's how you're going to try and get this Philadelphia team is speeding up their process. Because we, we talked about it with this Eagles offense over and over again. They are very methodical in the way they approach offense you know they have their set rpo schemes they have their set you know read option schemes they 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 have a very it feels like a very distinctive rhythm when they have the ball and i think san francisco has to find a way to throw it off yeah i i think so as well and again if you can get them into kind of uh if you can push them back that kind of allows you to play what you want to play which can definitely be helpful as well um one other thing that we haven't touched on just yet is 49ers pass rush is such an integral part of this team. You get the pass rush going, you can get teams to make mistakes, which can generate turnovers. Uh, you know, we saw that in the Dallas game to some degree. Hard to get pass rush going into this one, right? You have Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata on the outside, two of the better, you know, one of the better tackle combinations in football. Uh, you could argue it's the best tackle combination in football. Interior uh, also definitely gets it done. So, you have, you know, one of the best offensive lines in football. Again, you could argue it's the best offensive line in football uh, here. Concerns for the Niners who like, you know, like to get generate pressure. This is a situation where uh, they might not get the pressure they're used to and could add to give them, give extra stress in the secondary. Absolutely, it could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm still a little concerned about Lane Johnson. I think he said something along the lines of, yeah, the first few plays, it really hurt. Then I just kind of got over it. That's not okay. a great sign when you're dealing no. with a groin injury, I think, mm-hmm. especially one that's going to require surgery in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love that. I don't love that comment. But, I mean, he's obviously He's still tough. not giving he's up still, pressure, though. He's still, yeah, he's still exactly. playing fine. He did well. So, obviously, he's probably going to be pretty fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th- this is a matchup of – this is a matchup of Giants, I think. And, honestly, like – No, it, they played it, last week. They're They're done now. Yeah, exactly. They're done. Mm-hmm. But matchup of, I almost said Titans, but then. Not <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like, 
it's so weird to preview this because I don't really know who's going to win this battle, right? Like it is literally best on best. And well, typically that favors the offense, right? I mean, typically a great offense, like we saw with Trent Williams versus Mecca Parsons, right? I mean, like that, that's just traditionally how it goes. And I would imagine it happens on the other side of the ball before, you know, we haven't gotten there yet, but like that's traditionally how it goes is that a good offensive lineman can kind of shut down a good defensive lineman. And that might be the case. And the Eagles might be able to have success in this game, but I think, I do think the 49ers are going to put up points and I think the Eagles are going to have to put up points in this game. And I could see this being a pretty high score, a more high scoring game than people kind of realize because of that matchup. And maybe they are winning on the line of scrimmage, but it is going to be interesting to see how San Francisco just approaches this game in general, because not only does that uh, defensive line really good at rushing the passer, they're also really good against the run. They're one Mm -hmm. of the best run defenses in football too. And if they're going to run this read option stuff constantly, are you even, you know, how much pressure, how much attention are you trying to get on Jalen Hurts in a pass rush? Or are you trying to take that running game away from them? Yeah. And traditionally, you know, the flip side is in the running game that um, typically good on good typically favors the defense. So, uh, and, and, you know, um, while I said, you know, why it really interrupted you to say that uh, the, you know, typically that favors the offense uh, with the pass rush stuff. The flip side though, is that, you still probably will get snaps where Bosa does win. He's not going to lose every rep. And then, like, you know, there still probably will be more pass rush than Hurts is used to. Maybe you get a mistake there. Yeah, and that's a big thing. It, it feels like this game, kind of like the Dallas-San Francisco game, just might come down to mistakes. Dallas made more mistakes than San Francisco. San Francisco, under Brock with Brock Purdy, has managed, whether there's some turnover luck involved there or not, managed to limit a lot of their mistakes, a lot of their miscues. Um and, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to have to play a perfect game in my mind. I think that's what it's going to take to beat the San Francisco team because they're not going to beat themselves. They're not going to make a lot of mistakes and shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, because uh, while I, you know, if you're listening to this, you might think, wow, we're really high on the Eagles. The flip side of this is I, I do think that with the Eagles defense, kind of the way they're set up is Darius Slay on one side, James Bradbury on the other. You're not passing on the outside. Do whatever, you know, you have to work towards the middle. San Francisco, I'm not even sure if they know the football field uh, extends past the numbers. That's not even what they try to do. They they play, <laughs> it's all up the middle. That's all they're attacking, which we've talked about on this podcast. I think credit, cre- credit to you. You were the first person I've heard being on this. Eagles run defense, not as good as people realize. Uh, it can give up yards through the ground. And that's a way that I think the 49ers can win, not just with, you know, running the ball effectively, but then you can uh, control possessions if you want to. I'm not sure if they want to in this game, but they can if that's what they decide to choose, and it's a nice option to have. Um, you know, it's not like Philadelphia is bad up the middle and bad. Uh, you know, they, ha- they have you know, TJ Edwards is a good linebacker. Like they have players who can play up the middle, but they're a team built on stopping at the outside. I always talk about games are won on the outside. Well, the Niners have always been an exception to that rule. They love to go up the middle. They, they're a team who are full of guys who love to run block, uh, including their wide receivers and tight ends. I don't get what's going on there. Uh, this is a team that I think should be able to control the game when they're on, off, when they're on offense. Yeah, San Francisco are kind of weird, aren't they? Like they? I think the mm-hmm. creative thing about this team is that they run outside the tackles and they throw over the middle. Which is uh-huh. basically the opposite of everything right. else. Yeah. And they run they run the ball a lot too. So that's the mm-hmm. other part of this. Um this I I have some concerns for the Philadelphia defense against the San Francisco offense. And I I do I'm, so yeah, I mean I've been on the, the this run defense hasn't been as good 
this season as the rest of the defense and really the rest of the team has been. It's really been their one weakness, but they have been better. They have gotten better with Linville Joseph and Nadamakan Sue in the rotation. They rotate so many defensive linemen in. When those two guys are in, the run defense has gotten better. But that being said, San Francisco isn't a team that really worries about like the defensive tackles, right? They run outside the numbers, and that's right. where Philadelphia's run defense still is kind of bad and where they really struggle. Because Darius Slay, for as talented as he is at just about everything, he's not a very good tackler. No. If you look at the tackling grade for Philadelphia, it's not very high. And it's because these cornerbacks aren't very good in the run defense and tackling department because that's probably their one weakness is if they get run on the outside. And if you look at George Kittle and his blocking, if you look at Mike McGlinchey and uh, Mike McGlinchey and Trent Williams and their blocking on the outside, Christian McCaffrey, his ability to get the edge, even Elijah Mitchell, a lot of speed on the edge there too. That's not, that's not a very favorable matchup for Philadelphia at all. Um, so that that's one of the things I was looking at with this matchup specifically that I think San Francisco could start to have a lot of success against this team. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, again uh, for PFF grades, uh, sl- both Slay and Bradbury, their run defense is in the 40s. So definitely, that that's not what they paid them for. And you're right; it, it does feel like that's what they're going to uh, do. Uh, you know, the one thing you have half the question. I, I, I'm very fascinated in the Brock Purdy of it all here as Brock Purdy has been someone who has played well this season. Uh, I don't, again, I think his numbers are a bit inflated, but he also is legitimately playing well. Like both are true. It's very reminiscent of maybe Garoppolo's rookie season of like, you know, he came in and his numbers were inflated, but he was playing well. I think Purdy's the same way. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I on one hand, Part of me says, like, oh, man, if he throws the ball too close to Bradbury or Slay, which, like, you are still going to throw the ball in their area at some point, could a mistake happen? But it's like, I say this every week, and then every week he doesn't make the big mistake. Why should I not trust him at this point? I think he's made more mistakes than people have given, like, said, right? Like, I think there's been a few miscues. I think there's a few miscues in that Dallas game. But it's definitely a very good job of limiting it. And I think more importantly, Kyle Shanahan is not putting him in a lot of positions, to make those mistakes. Like I, I I do. I remember vividly from that Dallas game last week, he had one huge rollout to the left. It was a big sweeping rollout play. He threw the ball downfield and he threw it right at the safety. And they basically never did that again until the Kittle play that he caught off his face mask, which, you know, basically caught Dallas by surprise because they basically thought he had shelved that play for the game. Um, And that was a really good play. So, yeah, I mean, they, they limit his opportunities to throw the ball downfield, but for the large part, he has been good when he's throwing the ball over the middle, down the field, outside the numbers, because it's kind of catching the defense by surprise and making them have to, you know, they're paying for making a mistake on the on their coverage assignments. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, I have to say about that play, uh, you brought it up a couple times. Uh, I don't know. Throwing the ball deep downfield to Brandon Ayuk one-on-one. I feel like we just we just have a fundamental disagreement of this because uh, I feel like we talked about this in previous. I think like there's the Stafford pick in the Super Bowl. I'm always kind of like, eh, if you have a talented receiver one-on-one down the field, take the shot. It was that's a badly thrown Madden. ball, though. It's a problem. Like, the ball placement was bad. Yeah, that's fair. It was a bit high. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, um, but, yeah, so I just – there was one game I was looking at with the Eagles this season that had me some concerns about this game. And that okay. was when they, they played the Packers in Week 12. Week 12. Interesting. And in that game, the Eagles did end up winning the game. So, you know, you could take it with a grain of salt, but the Packers did put up 33 on that game and they didn't run a lot of plays. Aaron Rodgers made a couple of mistakes. Jordan Love came into the game. If you remember, he actually led a touchdown drive right. late, but that was when the should Jordan Love start conversation happened. 
Yeah, exactly. So this, I mean, I just looked at that game though, and it was like, okay, the Packers had five yards per carry in that game. AJ Dillon and Jones, like I said, were getting to the edge a lot. And then the big thing was it set up the play action in that one. And while I think TJ Edwards is a pretty good coverage linebacker and they're decent over the middle of the field, I think they really have some problems in play action because they know how bad they are against the run and they sell out a lot. And I think in that game, you saw Christian Watson on multiple plays. He had four catches in that game. And it felt like every play for Christian Watson was a huge play in that game. And I just think like if, if, uh, if the Niners are winning this game on the edge with their offense, if they're running the ball on the edge, running the ball on the edge, running the ball on the edge, and then they go to this play action setup. If Christian Watson's able to do that against the uh, Eagles, you know, middle of the field, What's Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk going to do? Or even George Kittle? I think they're going to have a lot of success in that department. I could see it. Yeah, going back to the the last point I have is the the turnover. You know, we, we talk about the turnovers. Uh, turnover-worthy play percentage for Brock Purdy, uh, which could be touched on earlier. Ninth best in football this season. So you're right that mm-hmm. he's given up some opportunities. But I feel especially, uh, you know, there, there's kind of a stretch. The Dallas game wasn't perfect, but then there's kind of a stretch, I feel like, for like two, three weeks where he just like, wasn't having any of those situations happening. So career is so young, such a small sample size. Who knows what's yeah. going to happen? But going up against Jalen Hurts, who's second best, in that category, uh, only uh, on 2% of his throws are turnover-worthy plays. So he's not gonna, he'll give you one, if you're lucky, opportunity to take the ball away. And if he does, you got to take that opportunity. Um, reality is he's someone who uh, you don't expect to put the ball in harm's way. Uh, so, you know, if you're going to win the turnover battle, it's probably going to be 1-0. Yeah. Yeah, it could come down to that margin. And both of these guys have done a very good job this season. So it'll be interesting to see how that comes down to. But, yeah, I just – that Packers offense isn't a very different, like scheme wise, schematically from mm-hmm. the San Francisco offense. Sure. Talent wise, obviously, there's a huge gap to San Francisco in San mm-hmm. Francisco's favor. But I do think, you know, if you take a lot of that game, 33 points for that Packers offense, which was kind of struggling up until that point that season, this season, I do think that's something that Kyle Shanahan's probably going to look at a lot, take a lot of the plays from that game and say, I can definitely do this and have success. Yeah. Let's pick the game, why don't we? Um, you know, if we have any final thoughts, we can say it after. Um, I have to, I have to go first because I am in the lead. I think this should be a great game. I think this is the game of the week. Uh, and, uh, and this is the game I'm more excited for. But Bengals Chiefs, I'm more excited for the storyline of Mahomes versus Burrow. Uh, I have it. I have the Eagles scoring 25, the Niners scoring 23. I am going to put just two points on it which makes, you know, uh, shows my hand a bit as to how, you know, I'm putting a lot of points on the other game, uh, but I'm putting two points on the Eagles to win by two points. Uh, definitely don't feel confident, and it could go either way. That's a fair pick. I, you know what, seeing how I see that, I think I'm going to counter you a little bit because I had more points wagered on this game. I'm going to go two point, just two points as well because I think we're lo- we're in a lock agreement on that next game. We'll get to that. But... I think you and I are in. I think I'm going to go two points as well, but I'm going to go 49ers 35 31. I think okay. the 49ers, I, I think they're a better team. I think that they uh, have played really well, and I'm just worried about that matchup against the uh, Philadelphia defense. Okay, so I'm just uh, making sure that we get the strategy right here. This means that this, if if you're if you we pick the same way in the other game, then that would guarantee that I would be leading heading into the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's okay. We'll make it work. Okay. okay. All right. Well, uh, we'll see if that happens. Maybe. Hey, maybe, maybe it's not the worst strategy in the world of just you know let it come down to one game. Um, 
But yeah, okay. So it should be a it should be a fascinating game. But again, neither one of us feel overly comp. How much points did you originally have before you uh, made your twitch? Uh, six. I had six on the 49ers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it should be an awesome game. I, I really do feel like there's, I don't know, one of those situations where I'm like, I could see either one of these teams winning in a nail biter. I could see e- either one of these teams winning in a blowout. I think th- any possibility is possible in this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so too. I think all, both of these teams have, have the ability to go off and, um, I think it could, you know, I really do think it could go either way as well. I do think the 49ers are a little bit better and I think match up a little bit better, but this Philadelphia team, I mean, you know, I think the 49ers can stop, stop some of their running rushing attack, but we just haven't seen people really stop this Philadelphia rushing attack all season. Yeah, and same goes the other way around. You know, I, I feel like this is kind of almost perfect way to ca- uh, perfect cap to the NFC. Uh, I feel like all year I've been the uh, respect the Eagles. Eagles are favored. Uh, no one else deserved to be favored. You've always kind of had these other teams like maybe this team, maybe this team. So perfect end of us picking differently in this one. Yeah, and I was pretty much in on the 49ers after, uh, you know, like week 12. And so yeah. I feel pretty good about this. I made a super. We made, we had Super Bowl picks. I think week fifteen, and I picked up 49ers to make it from there. And I still feel pretty good about them getting there. Yeah, let's go to the AFC. Who will be playing them? Bengals taking on the Chiefs. We said in the uh, recap show, man, how are the Chiefs favored in this one? What well, are not anymore? The line has shifted. The Bengals are now the favorites, and what should be, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, Kyle. I'm a storyline guy. You know this about me. Uh, Burrow versus Mahomes. I think this is great. I've always, I've already heard some, if Burrow wins this, is he now the consensus quarterback one? I've already heard that take coming up. I love it. I love all this stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, it's definitely fun. Um, you know, it's definitely fun to think about. I don't know about all that. I, I love Joe Burrow. I loved what he's done this season. And I'm really excited to see what he can do in this game. I mean, second year in a row, he's going into Kansas City for a chance to make the Super Bowl. He had that crazy comeback last season. Um, I think everyone was pretty high on this Bengals team again this season. They come out of the gate 0-2. We're like, wait, is this a Super Bowl loss regression year? Is this a team that maybe made it too early? And then all of a sudden, they're just like, no, we're still really good. They went 12-2 and the rest of the season um, and kind of looked at times dominant. Looked like one of the best teams in the league. And if you go into that Buffalo game and what they did last week, that was one of the more impressive showings uh basically all season for many team man it's crazy that this team really started the season throwing five interceptions to the Steelers and losing in overtime and then losing to uh Cooper Rush and now they're here <laughs> yeah yeah I mean they were two and three at one point too and then they went uh-huh. what, 10 and one the rest of the season so yeah and then the two and oh in the playoffs which also mm-hmm. you know that's that's an incredible run of uh consistency that I felt like went a little bit under the radar. I mean, I didn't even really think that they were 10 and one to end the season until I just saw it now. Yeah, absolutely remarkable uh, that what, what they've been on. And I got to say, Kyler, uh, Kyler, uh, Kyle, sorry. Uh, you confused. You get, I'm sure you often get confused with Kyler Murray. I've been told we look alike. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Uh, the, I, I uh, you know, and I have to say, uh, we got to give some credit to Zach Taylor. Right, Zach Taylor, the the old Zach Taylor is dead. This is a new Zach Taylor. I don't know who this guy is, but I, I'm enjoying him. He's aggressive throwing the ball. He throws yeah. it early. He throws it often, and um, it's been a. This is a way different offense than what we were expecting, right? And I think Romo, you know, 
not a huge fan of Tony Romo overall, but I thought he was good in that game against. Oh, Buffalo. now now everyone hates Romo. Now everyone's turned on Romo. Eh, it's okay, um, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, you know, I think he was good in that game, and like you know, this team doesn't like you know we we expect a Zach Taylor offense, which is cut from the same cloth of these McVay, Shanahan, Lafleur, you know, tree trees, coaching trees, and there's a lot of motion play action all that kind of stuff that's not really what the Bengals do they put two guys out on each side of the ball they let joe burrow read the defense he makes good throws there are some stuff wrinkled in there but it's really not that you know complicated like some of these other offenses that we expect it's just letting joe burrow see the field and read the defense yeah let's start with joe burrow let's start with the Bengals offense why don't we going up against the chiefs who obviously the stat that we've all heard is Bengals three and versus uh, Joe Burrow three and versus Mahomes, right? That's the stat that uh, you can't you can't not hear. That's the one that everyone talks about, and I mean it's it's notable and it's worth noting that he has been able to win. And I I really do feel like the Bengals have a, a good matchup here, where the Chiefs just don't really have a way to stop Cincinnati. They've never figured out a way to stop mm-hmm. Cincinnati, and they've tried everything. They when they play in zone, since Joe Burrow has no issue picking apart the gaps in coverage, they're not that great at zone defense. That's just not really what they're they strive what they they do well. But when they play man, Jamar Chase is just always open. So there's just no solution for this Kansas City Chiefs team. Uh, if you blitz Burrow, then he's even better. So you can't try that. It really is a I think the best strategy probably is just play cover two zone all the time, keep everything in front of you and hope that he makes mistakes, but he doesn't make mistakes often. So, uh, you know, maybe hope there's some holding penalties. Even then yeah. I feel like he could, he'll, he'll convert. Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow on, uh, you know, 31 pass attempts in that game at 286 yards, two touchdown, 25 completions. So only six incompletions in that game, you know, just about as perfect as he can get. It feels like at times for a quarterback and, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, like, I just, it's really tough to, you know, see how this Kansas City defense matches up. They have to find a way to get pressure consistently. And Cincinnati just largely, you know, they've dealt with some injuries on the offensive line. They were absolutely dominant in that game against Buffalo, despite missing three of their offensive linemen, it felt, uh, before the game and all that. And, like, Burrow is just, you know, it was just so bizarre because, you know, he was like, we, we all said, oh, Joe Burrow, his one weakness is he hangs onto the ball too long. He takes some bad sacks trying to make a big play. He just seemingly stopped taking bad sacks. Uh-huh. He really did. He's just like, okay, I'll just stop doing this now. And, you know, Russell Wilson is probably envious of all of this. He's like, how did right. he figure it out? Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just like, okay, I'm just not going to take bad sacks anymore. He had one sack in that game, basically, against uh, Kansas City in – one other quarterback or one quarterback hit. He was barely touched in that game. He was upright the entire time. And if they're not going to get pressure on Joe Burrow, it's done. It really is. This Kansas City defense is cooked because I like Legereus Sneed. I think he's a pretty solid corner. They got no chance on this outside against these Bengals, uh, this Bengals receiving core. This is the toughest receiving core in the league to match up with. And Kansas City does not have the horses in the secondary to deal with it. Yeah. Zachary Stewart with a super chat saying Burrow ended Buffalo's chances to lose a fifth straight Super Bowl, a true hero. You know, uh, Bill's hate is at an all-time high. Kyle, you must be having a great time. Yeah, th- there was a thing I saw the other day of an article clipping that they said the white jerseys were an unfair advantage or something like what? that. <laughs> yeah, in the snow. Oh, because it's in the snow. Sure. Of course. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Should be banned. Well, everyone, wear- <laughs> everyone wear their home jerseys. No, no one watching at home can tell them apart. 
what a what a loser franchise. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. Let's uh, stay focused. Uh, the uh, you know, right? I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, it's just I, I don't see who's going to stop. I don't see how they can stop the the Bengals passing attack. The only real thing I can come up with is that is this a game where Zach Taylor says we got to establish the run? Like like we said, the old Zach Taylor is dead. I I I can't believe I'm saying this. I trust Zach Taylor to do the right thing here, Kyle. Yeah, he he has largely been, you know, he's took that took that line and stuck it right in your face, honestly. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't worry about the run anymore. And no. even, you know, he he is, you know, a pass first offense all of a sudden and you know what? Even if they do run the ball, it worked last week. And when, when they played against, you know, Joe Mixon didn't play that game against Kansas City. Samaja Piran had 106 yards on five yards per carry. Joe Burrow had 46 rushing yards on uh, 4.2 yards per carry and a rushing touchdown. So sometimes even when they run the ball, it works because they're so everyone's so worried about this passing game and these receivers they have. Yeah, uh, as Elijah says in the chat, respect my guy, Trent McDuffie. Yeah, McDuffie's had a good season. Uh, McDuffie's had a good rookie season. Don't like him against T. Higgins, though. That's the problem. Like, I like McDuffie, too, but isn't he, like, 5'8"? Uh, I, I, he's 5'11". Yeah. Okay, so he's probably 5'9". And he's going <laughs> sure. against T. Higgins, who's, like, 6'4". Like, mm-hmm. okay, I like Trent McDuffie, but that is, you know, he's going to get mossed. Yeah, I mean, and again, T. Higgins is the hard guy to cover. What, yeah. You know, everyone says uh, every wide receiver is underrated, but T. Higgins is the true uh, wide receiver who is actually underrated. Yeah, so I, I I do think, you know, I do like him. I think he's had a good rookie season. I even think the, uh, what's the other kid's name? Jalen Watson has had a decent rookie season for, you know, a lower draft pick, but they don't have the size to match up with these Cincinnati guys, in my opinion. Yeah, David in chat says, "How tall are Jackson Kyle?" P- people don't realize this. We're actually both six eight. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we're we're actually huge. So yeah, we, uh, we we'd yeah. be okay against T Higgins, maybe. <laughs> right? Yeah, we can we can do that. Uh, uh, no, we wouldn't. <laughs> what would your strategy be trying to cover T Higgins? I think just tackle him. Uh, yeah, commit pass interference. Yeah, I think so. I I, I still think he would get a touchdown. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, I feel like I feel like every like four shows we it, it devolves into us like how would we do against this player, and it's just always just talk about how bad we would do. At least we're honest about it. <laughs> yeah, at least at least that's true. Uh, at least we do that. Uh, no, um, it's there's definitely concerns there with this again uh, secondary, which you know it feels like to some of the the entire group of the secondary is worse. It's like. Like the individual players seemingly are better than like how it actually performs. Like I'm, I look at these players and I'm like, these are good players. I don't get why they don't perform better. The chief secondary. Yeah. Um, Is it just a depth thing? Is it just a, like we talked about? It's a weak link position. Well, I think, you know, I think Steve Spagnuolo is a good defensive coordinator when he has a 21, 14 lead and he could put the pressure on a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is very friendly to, you know, secondaries early in game. That's probably right? fair. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think he's very, you know, he puts a lot of pressure on them to come up with coverage situations. And you said they're not very good against zone. Well, they don't play a lot of zone because they blitz so much and they send so much pressure. And, you know, they ask a lot of these guys to try, you know, when the pressure doesn't get to the quarterback to make plays. And, you know, they don't always make the plays because of that. Here's a question I have going into this game. Uh, we won't know it until we watch the game, but how much of the reason why the Bengals were able to be so successful is because these backups are actually good and how much of it was an embarrassment by Buffalo. I would probably lean towards the latter if I'm being honest, but 
is there a chance that this team is good or is there some concerns with Chris Jones coming to town? There's always some concerns with Chris Jones coming to town. There is concerns with Chris Jones coming to town. I do think, you know, he's a game changer. He's a wrecker. Um, that being said, like, I think uh, Ted Karras is solid, you know? Ted Karras is a good center. Like, that's probably the one one part of the Bengals' offensive line I'm not overly worried about is if, you know, the interior, I think, is okay. The one thing, like... Uh, I, I don't think Jonah Williams is that good. Like, that's just my opinion. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's, you know, I thought the Lyle Collins thing, you know, they had a few weeks to kind of work through this Lyle Collins injury. I just don't think Jonah Williams is that good. So I think, you know, putting a replacement level left tackle is might be kind of the same as having Jonah Williams out there. Yeah, uh, I mean, he hasn't graded well. He is, you know, a big name, obviously, a first-round pick. It might just be the injuries are taking a toll on him. Like, you know, that does yeah. happen where guys, when you get all these injuries, like sometimes you're just not – uh, what you once were. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, you know, that's definitely fair. I don't think he's had a very good season. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the Bengals have managed to survive without him and I think they're going to be okay in this one. I mean, there are, this still is probably one of the better things about this chief's defense is having Jones, Frank Clark, who I thought had some pretty bad moments in that game. Um, who they played the Jacksonville last week, and then had some really great moments in that game against Jacksonville last week. Carlos Dunlap, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton in the linebacker spots. They're also pretty good at getting after the quarterback. So, like that probably is the one thing is those guys collectively have to create a ton of pressure. Yeah, but the question is, would it have time to create that pressure? Like, will, or will Burrow just be getting the ball so quickly it won't matter? That's what he's been doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. I think it was against the Ravens. He had 2.5 yards per or seconds per release. And if they're in that spot, I just don't see if he's reading the coverage that quickly again, like he did against Baltimore and like he did against Buffalo. I have a hard time seeing Kansas city, you know, being able to muster anything because they need to get pressure on them. They need to help the secondary out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think so as well. Uh, on the flip side though, you know, uh, it's interesting with this Bengals team. Uh, what's fascinating is, so, you know, obviously we talk about the Awuzie injury and how that's affected them. Although, you know, the last time these teams played, uh, Awuzie wasn't in that game. Uh, it was, uh, you, ha- you had uh, Cam Taylor-Britt there, who I can't figure out, this Cam Taylor-Britt guy. Uh, he was a second-round pick this season, who I remember, if I remember correctly, I didn't love him out of the draft. He has, he's been kind of like fine this year, but had his best game of the season against Buffalo. And so I thought, okay, maybe he's just like uh, a man corner. Maybe that's. But I looked at his splits, and he's terrible in man, but great in zone. Like uh, that's that's been his season. So I don't understand. I don't. I don't get that guy. I don't. Uh, coverage is all already very difficult. Eli Apple, uh, he was good last year. Eli Apple has not been good this year. He just hasn't. Uh, Eli Apple has not had a good season. Uh, Eli Apple's probably just not a good corner who had a couple of big plays in a playoff run. But then he had a good game against Buffalo. So like. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Are these just playoff performers who can come in and, and get the job done? It might be. I mean, that's the thing. Like, their corners really haven't been that great this year, especially when Aluzia went down. They're still mm-hmm. sixth in coverage. Sixth. Sixth mm-hmm. best in football in coverage grade. So it's not like this this team has completely fallen off with Aluzia out of the lineup. I don't think it's been helpful, but at the same time, like, we, we view coverage so many times as a weak link spot, but like if you look at like Jesse Bates, Von Bell, two very good safeties, Dax Hill has been a pretty solid slot guy. Mike yeah. Hilton has been a pretty solid slot, is a very good slot guy. Yeah. I mean, they managed to kind of make it work and, you know, they had those outside corners and if they get anything on them, even better because then it's a really dominant secondary, I feel like. 
Yeah, it's weird. Where it's, it feels like the weak link in their coverage is corners, which is like that's typically like that's what you want to make your best. But it's almost like you have to beat them downfield uh, to have success. And, and they play enough zone that like you don't you know you have safety help. It kind of funnels into the safety help. Got Patrick Mahomes coming to town though, and he finds ways to get this stuff done. Now they like Bengals like to play a lot of zone, and that's kind of been you know last year that's why it was such a good matchup for cincinnati was they would play this zone and uh kansas city was not able to kind of uh work down the field as much because that's not where they thrive in until overtime where they played man and got an interception that was weird but uh for the most part that's what uh happens uh, happened last year this year you know chiefs have become like world beaters against zone coverage but the Bengals are still so good at covering that they still don't give stuff up, uh, up and they're also a team that says, hey, maybe we cover that uh, guy who wears 87. Maybe we, we make sure that we have a guy on him. Yeah. Um, and generally, that's the pe- recipe for success is you limit Travis Kelsey. So mm-hmm. here is the interesting question I have is that should the Bengals change? Should they change? So the the overwhelming consensus with the Chiefs was you couldn't play man defense for so many years because you had Tyree Kill on the outside who just would kill you in man coverage. Patrick Mahomes would kill you in man coverage because he can never be sacked. And then it's, you can't play zone against Kansas City because uh, Travis Kelsey is a zone beater in itself. He's going to get you know 12 right. catches for 12 first downs in a game because he runs zone coverage. But there's no Tyree Kill anymore. And so, like, we talked about these outside corners. I'm not really worried about the outside corners for Cincinnati because, like, as solid of a season as I think Juju Smith-Schuster has had, like, if that's your number one guy, like, I'm not really worried about getting beaten on the outside all the time. The the, the number one emphasis should be adjusting for Travis Kelsey. And then the other part of this is, should you go to man more? Because Patrick Mahomes is probably playing on an injured ankle. And... The best part about one of the best things about Patrick Mahomes is his ability to extend plays and play off script. If he does not have that in his game, do you just go to man, try and limit these guys, try and limit Travis Kelsey and man coverage with Von Bell, something like that, and say, Mahomes, try and run around and beat us like you usually do when you have a hurt ankle? Um, it, It's interesting. I mean, one thing that I, I don't know, uh, I think for the Bengals, I think they should keep doing what they're doing, play their zone coverage they like, because they do it effectively enough that they can limit uh, the Chiefs. I think for a different team, I think it's fast. I think it's a question where you could say go after them. I think for Cincinnati, just I, I would say just do what you do. Yeah. And they had success against Kelsey in that game. In the in the last game against him, he had four catches for 56 yards on six targets. So they were able to limit some of his effectiveness in that one anyways. Um, it is just an interesting question. Like, if he looks... As hurt as he did against Jacksonville, I would go man coverage immediately. Personally, that uh-huh. that would be my play call. Is you know, I know I know that's not really what we do our best at. If you're Cincinnati, but that's something that I just feel like if you have a quarterback who's basically stuck in the pocket because he can't move and he can barely you know hand the ball off, that's something where it just feels like you should be sending the house man coverage, swallow up these receivers as much as you can. Yeah. The flip side though is again. The, the Chiefs are different, right? Their number one option, their superstar is not a wide receiver. It's Travis Kelsey. Who's going to cover Travis Kelsey in that situation? And again, like, like you said, the, the Bengals have good linebackers, but it's, you know, uh, do, do they have linebackers that can cover Kelsey? I don't know. Yeah. I'd, I It would probably be Bell in that spot. That's fair. But yeah, 
I, I like Bell in that spot. That's probably their best play, but it'd be interesting. It is an interesting point, but or just we'll double see. him. You know, double the, the 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 tight end. Sure, it's Kelsey. It's it's the rules are different with him. Yeah, it just feels like like what what you can't let happen is what happened in Jacksonville, right? With Jacksonville, right? For some reason, whatever their game plan was, it was wrong because Kelsey was open all the time, and right. I know Kelsey just gets open, but everyone should be pointing out where Travis Kelsey is on the field because. The rest of the guys on the Kansas City team outside of one Pacheco drive, Isaiah Pacheco drive, were not very good. Mm-hmm. The other thing I have to bring up is the the Andrew Wiley of it all, of the the tackle for the Chiefs that is not Andrew Brown, or uh, Andrew Brown, Orlando Brown, uh, who, um, you know, is not great. I have to say, this drives me crazy about Andrew Wiley. So all... You know, since in the past couple of years, everyone said, "Oh, the Chiefs—they only lost the Super Bowl because they all, all both their tackles were hurt." Andrew Wiley was a starting guard for them all year, moved to tackle, and then stayed at tackle for the next two years uh, as their starting tackle. Maybe Shaq Barrett was just good—I don't know. Anyways, uh, he's not great, and now you got Sam Hubbard and uh, Trey Hendrickson coming to town. That's a concern. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that is that is definitely a concern because they're going to be able to get those guys isolated. It feels like, and Wiley's going to have to hold up. So, especially once again, we don't know how it is. Apparently, he practiced fully today. You know, Mahomes. Mm-hmm, yeah, but how much he's able to move and do the Mahomes stuff that makes him so special? I don't know how much of that's going to be the case, and that puts a lot of pressure on your offensive line to hold up. Kyle, I am not a doctor, believe it or not. I know I present like one, yeah. but I am not a doctor. Um. Uh, but with one I've I've seen, there's uh the uh, there's a doctor on YouTube that I always look at for like he talks about all these uh, sports injuries and stuff, uh, and he said that uh, for a high ankle sprain, it's very rare for you to get back to forget uh, the concerns or forget like if it's very rare for you to feel like yourself again and get full mobility back uh, until a couple of weeks after. It takes time for this to happen. So given what I've understand about this. I don't think Mahomes is going to be typical Mahomes. And I think in this game, I think it'll have to be. Yeah, I, I agree. I just don't see how you come back from a high ankle sprain in a week and are 100%. It seems far-fetched, honestly, Mm -hmm. but it is Patrick Mahomes. So maybe he is just a, you know, cyborg athlete and he's okay. But I imagine he's going to be somewhat limited in this game and it's really going to hurt. Yeah. Uh, why don't we just pick this game now? I think we'll have more to say after it. Uh, but let, let's pick the game now. So uh, we're each putting 18 points on this game. It will be the most important game, or it won't matter at all, uh, depending on if we pick the same team or not. I am picking Cincinnati Bengals 30, Chiefs 23. I do have the Bengals winning this one. Kyle, do you as well? Yeah, we're in lockstep on this one. I got the uh, Bengals 28, the Chiefs 13. I'm not buying Mahomes' health. I just can't do it. From what we've seen from my ankle sprains and other guys sitting out missing time, I just think it's too hard to believe he's going to be ready to go. And this Bengals team is an absolute wagon right now. It's hard to envision them getting stopped. Yeah, interesting. So, again, I have to just uh, say the strategy here is that you have basically decided you are punting on this, and you are saying that uh, – it's all going to come down to the Super Bowl. You're taking destiny out of your own hands, but the bright side is it will all come down to the Super Bowl now. It will be if, if I hit the Super Bowl, I win. If I miss the Super Bowl, you win. Well, I can't confidently pick against you in this team for the Chiefs. Uh-huh. And I can't wager enough. You know, you wagered your two points. So, if you you know, 
there, there's really nothing I could have from that game. You know, even if I picked the Eagles, I couldn't wager enough points to make it, uh, you know, swing in my favor at that point. Well, you could wager if you wager four points on the Niners, then there's at least a chance that if the Niners and the Chiefs won, then you would uh, surpass me. Right. But we're all good. Let's roll. Okay, it feels like that would be the strategy. I feel like that's a no uh, a high reward, no risk situation. But all right, well, we're going with this. Um, the uh, again, one thing I have to say though is important thing. It's a conference championship. Anything can happen. It's football. I mean, the, the you know we we've seen crazier things happen uh, already this season. So and certainly in years past, uh, the craziest thing ever would not be Mahomes winning. Uh, you know, we have a a super chat uh, by Lamar saying, if you were a defensive style head coach. Uh, is it safer for you to draft Mahomes or Burrow? That's an interesting uh, thing. I, I I would say Mahomes, right? Yeah, I still think Mahomes is the guy to pick. Um, yeah, but I can Burrow's, see I can see why a defense consolation. Yeah, I can see why a defensive minded coach might lean Burrow, but uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I would still go. I think Mahomes is still clear to go. Yeah, yeah. You you, you draft the most talented player. So yeah. Uh, but, but back to what I was going to say, the one thing that I think the Chiefs could do is methodically move down the field, get these short passes going. Uh, maybe Kadarius Tony can make some plays. Uh, and then I think run the ball effectively. I think this could be a running. I, th- I do think they'll be able to run the ball effectively. But sometimes Andy Reid doesn't like to run the ball, right? I mean, you saw it in Tampa Bay, right? They were playing cover two in the Super Bowl. They're playing cover two all game. And Andy Reid still refused to run the ball. Yeah. Um. It's not something he goes to a whole lot. I know Pacheco got the ball a little bit in that last game. But, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know. Right. Um, you know, I, I do think it's going to have to be one of these receivers stepping up and coming up with a couple big plays. Whether it's Tony, whether it's Juju, whether it's Valdez Scantling. You know, one of these guys has to have a couple big receptions in this game, I feel like. It can't all be hoping Travis Kelsey wins you this game. Yeah, and I was thinking for the flip side, is I could see the Chiefs getting too cute in this. I could see them, you know, there was a play when they w- went cover zero against the, the the Chiefs last time, and Mahomes just threw like a 50-yard pass to Valdez Scantling. Kind of like like you said, maybe you go after him. Maybe they try that and then backfires. That That's a possibility as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this Bengals team has been so disciplined, it feels like, since, you know, after those first few weeks of the season. They rarely make mistakes. Burrow rarely makes mistakes. And this defense, you know, even with, you know, Eli Apple on it, doesn't make a lot of mistakes and, let you know, forces you to go the length of the field on them. Yeah. There is that one thing in the back of my head, too. It's like, what if, like, Eli Apple just gets burned all game? Couldn't that happen? Like, isn't that, <laughs> like, a, like, I, I could, vis- I could vision, envision that, right? Every wide receiver will be on Twitter having a field day on it. Oh, yeah. If it does happen. You know, it, that's that's the one thing. There's no one more hated in, in, the, in the, within NFL players than Eli Apple. I would agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it would have to be a corner or a receiver too, so it has to. I mean, maybe Russell Wilson, like maybe just by yeah. Seahawks players though, right? Yeah, just every single player who's ever played for him. Yeah, exactly. Every mm-hmm. teammate he's ever had. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I want to give my power rankings for. Let, let's give our power rankings. I'll, I'll give mine and you give yours of uh, best possible Super Bowl matchups. How about this? Okay. Uh, what I think number one is 49ers Chiefs. Because of the rematch. And you know, I love a storyline. I think that would be fantastic seeing a rematch. I get the argument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I think number two, I actually think, I, I 
you know, I went back and forth on this. I thought about this way too much for some reason. Uh, I didn't even know I was going to bring, say it on the podcast. It's just what I was thinking, uh, you know, as I take my dog for a walk. Um, I, I think I'm going to keep the Chiefs in there because they're a team to root against. And so say I'm going to say Chiefs, Eagles, number two. And then I'm going to go. One seeds makes sense. Yeah. Then I'm going to go uh, Bengals, Eagles, I think is the other one. And then Bengals, 49ers is number four. Bengals, Eagles. Okay. And then what was the last one? Bengals 49ers. And Bengals 49ers, which would also be awesome. These are four awesome teams. Yeah. I don't really know the matchups, like historically speaking. I guess I would probably agree that the rematch of a couple of years ago would be number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Eagles Bengals is my number two. Don't know why. Just feel like it'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. Know. No, it'd be great. Uh, and uh, then I would go probably Chiefs Eagles because it's, you know, the two teams that combined to go what 28 and six. So mm-hmm. that'd be good. Um, and then it's, uh, you know, what's the last one I have? Um, that'd be Bengals diners, which is the one I picked. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and also I have to say Bengals diners, which we didn't say, I mean, that'd be, you know, that, uh, what the Bengals lost to the Niners twice, uh, in the Super Bowl uh, back in the Joe Montana, uh, years. So, I mean, there's, there's still historic rivalry there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of intrigue to all these games, I think. That's definitely true. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these teams have lost a lot of Super Bowls. Niners have also won a lot. That's what they got going for them. <laughs> I guess you do have that. Yeah. Uh, I guess you stick around long enough. You are bound to lose a few Super Bowls. That's the case, right? Yeah. Uh, and I guess Unless in the Eagles the case, win, win one too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the uh, Chiefs case. Right. Uh, yeah. Maybe Bengals someday. Yeah. Maybe this year. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. I mean, we're both uh, putting 18 points on them uh, making it. So should be, I mean, it should be fantastic. I don't know. Uh, I, I just love this Final Four. I, I, I don't know. Like last year, we were here and we were like, okay, Bengals, Chiefs, but like, you know, Bengals, scrappy underdogs, would they be able to pull it off? And then like Rams, 49ers, it was like, okay, Rams are on the Cinderella run. Uh, and we, I think we both picked them to win, but it was still like a... Like, it felt like they were kind of not the best team. But, you know, the Packers were the best team in the NFC, and they Packers did right away. Uh, and then, you know, the, the the Chiefs were seemingly the best team in the AFC, but then they lost. And this year just feels like, no matter who's in it, we have absolute, and again, no disrespect to the Rams, they deserved it. But, like, uh, this year feels like, uh, even going in, it feels like these are teams that belong here. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these teams were pretty much preseason picks. You know, trendy preseason picks. Obviously, the uh, the Buccaneers and Packers. The Eagles became really trendy in the preseason. That's definitely true. But the 49ers started to come on quickly. The Trey Lansing was kind of a wild card, and he didn't even make it this far. So right. all of this becomes interesting. And, yeah, I mean, these two teams, from the point that they played each other last year, we were like, let's see this one again. Yeah. Uh, overlap 618. The great Overlap 618 is back in the chat saying, all right, boys, can we get an end of year segment on where you think Brady is going next year? I'm saying Raiders. I said Raiders uh, going into it. Th- that feels right to me. I'll stick with Raiders. Vegas is becoming a trendy pick. Yeah. I mean, um, what What's more? Uh, what, what says divorce dad more than moving to Las Vegas? Yeah. <laughs> but doesn't he want to stay close to his kids, be involved there? I don't know. I don't know. It's possible no. I mean, we don't know his life. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he you know, his, his wife couldn't, you know, be with him anymore because he has a job that works uh, seven months a year. Just too much of a commitment. Yeah, well, I don't think we know exactly what happened there. I think that's a lot of speculation <laughs> on Twitter. 
Yeah, it is. That's. Um, but believe it or not, I don't think we actually have figured out the correct details on what the end of their marriage was. Yeah, that's not going to come out. But no. Um, give me the Patriots. I'm, I'm going to ride an emotional high here. Give me the Patriots. Okay. Reunite yeah, with I, Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick. I like that. I'll go Jets then. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> no, they're getting Aaron Rodgers. That's the odds now, isn't it? Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Is, I've heard there's, there's rumors. Why not fulfill the Brett Favre pro- prophecy? Make it happen. But the thing is, like the, the Packers have to eat money to trade Aaron Rodgers, right? But if you trade, I believe you can also restructure the contract to make it work. That's that's the one thing. Like Typically, yes. And I don't understand. It seems like Aaron Rodgers, I, I feel like the details of his contract basically just mean he gets like as much money as he wants. Like It's just like he can just go to the office and just take money from the money jar. Uh, it seems like he's pretty much good there. Uh, it really worked out. That worked out well for him but I, I you know when you make the trade you can like we see this happen sometimes where a team like it was like the cleo mac trade where like when it first happened we were like aren't the bears gonna have to eat like all this money but then like uh the details came out and the chargers are now eating all the money yeah so i guess that is possible then um i don't know is he gonna do this every off season yeah we said it's- this right when he right when he got eliminated we were like oh this is gonna happen and i and i was like don't buy into it. He's staying with the Packers. And now two weeks later, I'm like, oh, this is fun. Yeah, that's exactly. We're, we're stupid, Kyle. We're not, we're not smart people, us football fans. That's true. Mm. I mean, what, 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 what is the other option? Go back to Green Bay, go to the Jets or what? Go to the Cowboys? Cowboys would be fun. Well, I don't know if they, yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be interesting. I don't know. Why not go to the Jets? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Are they still looking for an offensive coordinator? Uh, maybe, but I mean, that might be, you can get Nathaniel Hackett. Oh yeah, that's true. I guess that mm-hmm. works. Sure. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers fits in New York, right? <laughs> no, you don't think so. Where, where does Aaron Rodgers fit? He's dramatic LA? enough. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I could see Aaron Rodgers in New York. I think it works. Yeah. He, he kind of has that grumpy New Yorker vibe to him. Yeah, he seems like someone who like shows up to the book club but only skimmed a book. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, that's that's fair. So yeah, I guess Aaron Rodgers to New York. We're calling it now. Reporting it here, not reporting, but you know, <laughs> reporting it here. This is, we put about we, we put about much as much research into this as people to actually report uh, on certain NFL stories. We but yeah, probably. <laughs> what if Brady and Rodgers go to the Jets? quarterback competition <laughs> yeah why not the jets have they're they're like we've gone 50 years without an actual quarterback let's get the two bet two most expensive ones let them battle yep. it out and then because of the jets curse like they both suck they both they're both washed <laughs> up once that happens yeah they're both bad i mean <laughs> how good is it that brett Favre's like one terrible season was with the jets yeah well even that wasn't it like so i don't remember the season very well isn't it like didn't like his like he got like a torn bicep like if I remember correctly, they were like nine and three, and they got a torn bicep, and they only won like one game the rest of the way and missed the playoffs. Yeah, well, didn't he have the whole, um, you know, female reporter scenario there? I, I, I that that could be correct. I, I I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit, I, I don't know. I, I didn't follow football as closely back in, uh, you know, back then. Well, he was good on Minnesota the year after, so yeah, went to an NFC Championship game. If only for you know, if if it wasn't for Greg Williams, maybe uh, maybe he's a Super Bowl champion with the Vikings. Probably not. You don't think so? I think there's a chance. Yeah, I guess a chance. I wouldn't pick them. 
You you think the uh, what? Who would it have been? And the, the yeah, Colts. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. Uh, yeah. But you're a big Colts guy, so yeah, love love Indianapolis Colts, my favorite franchise. Yeah, someone says uh, Jackson needs to brush up on his far floor. I do, I do. I'm rusty on the far floor. Come on, man. He's just one of the more popular people in America right now. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I, I did love the. <laughs> I don't know. I, I will defend to my grave the interception that he threw with the Vikings against the Saints. That's who Brett Favre is, is throwing that interception. Can't take that out of Brett Favre. I want him to go out throwing that interception. To, to, oh, he should have ran for four yards. He's, number four does not run for four yards. He throws the ball across his body trying to get a, a, a pointless pass there. That is what Brett Favre is, and I will hear no uh, arguments to the contrary. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. He, yeah, one and three straight MVP, so why change? Right. Uh, we also have uh, Deontay Smith says, what teams should trade for Jalen Ramsey next year? Uh, the Patriots. Um, is Jalen Ramsey available? I haven't heard anything about it, but maybe. Well, then 31 other NFL teams should look into trading for Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> right. And then the Rams should look into not trading Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, I, I think a lot of teams would be interested in Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that seems like that'd be a safe bet. Kyle, next time we talk, 30 teams will have been eliminated. We will have two teams left competing for a Super Bowl. Yes, we are looking forward to it. Sunday night is going to be awesome. I will not do anything except for sit myself on the couch from 2 o'clock to probably 9 o'clock. And then after my seven-hour sitting on the couch, I'll move over to my office chair, talk to you about it. <laughs> yeah, Zachary Stewart says, Tom Brady to, the, to my commanders. You know what, Zach? I hope it happens. I'm rooting for you. <laughs> he, sure, I'm sure he'd not? love to play with uh, Dan Snyder. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that would work. Yeah, no, Sunday, I mean, it, that's just a, uh, you know, spend all your time with your family now. Because on Sunday, you know, you got to make sure you have uh, the goodwill to just sit on the couch for and, and do nothing. Or just don't talk to them until Monday. That works. Just Yeah, that works. Whatever whatever you got to do. Do what you got to do. Yeah, just say I, I am off the clock until Monday. I am busy. <laughs> yes. Uh, of course, we will be live at 11 Eastern. Uh, after those games to talk about what happened, uh, talk about, you know, maybe even a quick Super Bowl, pre- our first reactions to who will be playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, and then there will be, you know, just uh, we will talk about every little detail possible about the Super Bowl heading up to Super Bowl week. We will still continue on our regular schedule on Wednesdays and Sundays uh, throughout the Super Bowl. Uh, and we will be live right after the Super Bowl as well. So uh, be on the lookout for all that stuff. Um, Kyle, let them know where you can find us on Twitter before we head out. Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter. That is at Jackson Kruger. Make sure to follow me at by Kyle Grondon. And make sure to follow the account page at on the sideline JK. That is at on the sideline JK. Yes, of course. If you like audio only podcast, anywhere you get the audio uh you, you get your audio only podcast, it should be available. It's on the sideline podcast. So check that out if you are interested. Kyle, final thoughts. Uh looking forward to championship conference championship weekend. This is gonna be awesome. Uh I don't know. Probably just, you know, sit in a comatose state until that starts. Let's do it. Yeah, Kyle, we're also, uh, what, 18 days till the offseason. That's depressing. Don't yeah, tell me Only that. three games left. Well, I'm looking forward to the three games. Let's just focus on the positive here. That really is what makes it work. It's like I don't get depressed because I'm like, oh, but I'm so excited to see the conference championships. Like it doesn't like my, uh, you know, my golden retriever brain doesn't process the, uh, the, the reality that's about to hit me. 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of USFL talk in the offseason. Oh yeah, a lot of USFL talk. We will I mean we will be uh oh my god, I can't wait to argue about uh NFL prospects, uh you know, the college stuff. Uh we'll get very into why my seventh favorite defensive lineman uh actually should be the ninth best defensive lineman. Yeah, that's what we do. Uh, yeah, it's it's always great stuff there. I'm excited for that. I, I even I, I did a little uh I don't know, start started to read up on a couple prospects. Oh yeah, who'd you read so far? Uh that the defensive lineman that everyone's saying is like the best. Uh he seems pretty good. His advanced statistics seem good. Um Will Anderson or Jalen Carter? Uh well, I don't, I don't know. Uh the one who people are saying maybe could go first overall. Well, there's two. That's why I'm wondering. Okay. Uh um, well here. I will uh no, uh Jalen Carter is the guy. Jalen Carter, okay, yeah. Um, Maybe Anderson too. I, I've only looked at Jalen Carter. I, that's that's all I did was looked at like I, I read Mel, Kuyper, Mel Kuyper's mock draft and then looked at Jalen Carter's advanced statistic. Yeah, I, I I would actually say the majority of the people are still on Anderson, and then I have been a Jalen Carter guy this season, and it seems like Mel Kuyper's on my side. So, all right, Mel, let's do it. I okay. like Jalen Carter. He's incredible. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it uh, should be exciting. We're definitely going to, uh, you know, again, we're going to get so into that during the offseason. It's going to be a great time, but not looking at the offseason now. This is what we're talking about. Kyle, any final thoughts before we head out? Um, no, no, I think we just about covered everything. Let's get to the games. Yeah, get to the games. Should be fun. We will be back Sunday. Uh, so be on the lookout for uh, us there. And until next time, see you later, alligator. Peace.